It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to season three of Reliving the War. That's right. This little podcast where we go through the Monday Night Wars is actually three years old. We started off with Bash of the Beach 1996 and and also King of the Ring 1996. And now we're into, well, the 99 editions are in the rearview mirror and we're fresh into 1999. And Simon, it's almost kind of kismet too because I'm checking on Twitter. On the day that we record this, apparently 28 years ago today the monday night wars officially kicked off raw and nitro aired at the exact same time for the first time so isn't that fitting as we launch a new season that we record the episode on the birth of the monday night wars that is a cool little stat and i think it's also fitting you could say at this point in 1999 that we're looking at july 1999 the war is virtually over Yep. <laughs> there is only so much WCW has left in the tank, and none of it is going to make a difference this point onwards. Now, if you're wondering why we had a little brief hiatus, did you watch Bash at the Beach 1999? Because <laughs> you need a break from that. If and also King of the Ring 1999, unfortunately. Yeah. It just, like, talk about, like, I don't know why wrestling was so popular, because I think and it's kind of good to sort of go back because we we do have a lot of nostalgia because this is the sort of vintage that we grew up on. We have a lot of friends that grew up on this, you know, relatives, the schoolyard, all of this stuff is like right in the prime of our, I don't know, you know, the years where you sort of shape who you are or at least who you think you're going to be. But um, we come across fully loaded 1999. Um, it, There's no in your houses anymore. It's just WWF fully loaded 1999. And once again, it's Austin versus McMahon, but very much the video package is signifying that this will be the end of an era. Mm, the Undertaker and his end of an era lies. <laughs> what does it ever really mean at this point when he's having an end of an era something? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's the final chapter between Austin and McMahon. And let's face <laughs> now. it, if you... If you're listening to this podcast, you know what happens. Mm. It's never the final chapter. But uh, hey, look, we do see uh, the, the pay-per-view kicks off. It is hot. It is sold out, as all these pay-per-views are. But uh, we start off with a little flashback to Heat beforehand about The Undertaker attacking Austin and drawing blood because this becomes quite a, a plot point throughout the entire evening. And it's a great way to sort of set up. You know, it's a cool way that even... If you were, if we were in the position to be able to watch Heat to get us to buy the pay per view, yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, I know sometimes we get on WCW for wasting so much time before a match starts. This is different. It didn't take very long. They just said, "Oh, some breaking news: Austin was busted open on Heat. He's in a first blood match later on. How is this going to play into the night?" We get a quick comment from Vince McMahon. 
and then we move on. It's pretty quick and they do a better job here of fitting so much in than WCW. And I do want to be fair though. Uh, you know, I sort of give it to WCW quite a bit for their terrible opening videos. This WWE video wasn't one of their best. It went very quick, had a little old timey vibe. Uh, and then, you know, he had JR saying somebody's going to bleed over and over. It wasn't bad for what it was. It was very short and didn't explain a lot. But anyway, we'll get into the better version of the video before the main event. It's almost like they just held back on the real one. Yeah, it's strange. It, it's I'm glad you brought that up because I also noticed the same thing too. Because what was a good video package, it's not that level where it only took probably I reckon halfway through the video where my memory sort of like, I guess my memory and the video explained just like, oh, that's what this is all about. Because you're seeing like Babe Ruth and mm. all of these weird little things. You're like, what the hell is going on here? Like, is this... So that didn't quite make sense. Whereas previously you had him, uh, you had Vince McMahon linked to dictators and, you know, like order and we, we, we will crush you, et cetera, et cetera, conform. Like it it beat you over the head with a shovel, the, the previous ones. And this one was kind of like, oh, you figured it out, I guess. Yeah, it was too artistic <laughs> for its own good. I would get to our first match, which is Edge, who is the Intercontinental Champion, uh, up against Jeff Jarrett. Now, Edge won the IC belt on a rare house show title change. And all I can say is that Edge, I, I, this is his, um, it was basically a 24 hour reign, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't think he held, yeah. Well, did they say the show was the night before? I think so. Yeah. So yeah, they were in Toronto and then that was in his hometown. Yeah. Hmm. Which is, which is kind of cool. Cause it also in hindsight, you could kind of see why Edge was pegged to be like out of Edge and Christian, you could see even in 1999, that he's the guy or is going to be the guy. I think they always saw something in him and gave him opportunities. Whether the crowd was fully into it or not, they always said, no, no, we'll, we'll give him a shot. You know, he got to be Sable's tag partner at SummerSlam, you know, a year prior to this. They were in Toronto. They're like, ah, oh, let's give him the, the hometown moment. It was always like, let's let's give Edge these opportunities. He's going to eventually pay off. And he went yeah. 25 years later. Um, yeah. He, he tells the story, he sold the story in his book and, you know, documentaries or whatever. It was like a, a last minute thing. They were like, you know what? Let's make it for the title and you're going to win in Toronto. <laughs> it wasn't established like he was Bret Hart in Calgary yet. He'd barely been on TV. It wasn't like Toronto because he's from there. We have to do something. But what a cool moment to give this, you know, young guy from that city. It was actually pretty cool because do you remember back in the day where the WWE had that title history um, website where it'd have a photo of each of the, like a, an actual studio shot of each of the IC champs? For Edge's first reign, he didn't have one. There's a photo of him. Oh, There's wow. like a state. They took the time to do a, a photo of him when he won the WCW US championship. But this was so last minute that it was just like, they didn't even, like, he didn't have didn't time to get like a, photo. a proper shot with it. So... Which which happened back then? Because we've all seen the awkward photoshops where it's like the, <laughs> the tag belt is superimposed. Um, but yeah, um, Jeff Jarrett also enters with a perfect WWF WrestleMania 2000 entrance, <laughs> and to say that this is the the most over person in this match is Deborah is an understatement. Because before there's even a lockup, there's a "We Want Puppies" chant. Yeah, the crowd here is so into Deborah. It, they're so hot for Deborah that it takes a few minutes for them to get back into the match. They're a little bit quiet. They like Edge. They, of course, hate Jeff Jarrett. Takes a while to fully get into it. But 
these guys are two of the best mid-carders of the era and two of the best mid-carders of all time, if that's a thing. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett and Edge, they're always going to deliver something good in this kind of spot. They start with good wrestling, as you'd expect. Um, Edge is kind of in between gimmicks here, though, because he's not in the brood. And E and C aren't sort of their funny self yet. They're not those heels. They're kind of in no man's land. So mm. Edge has to just work as a white meat baby face with not a lot of character. But his wrestling is so good. They get him back into the match. JR and King, uh, you know, having fun on commentary. Great line from King. He says, I'm an equal opportunity animal lover. And he says, I love puppies. I love chicks. And before he can even finish his joke, though, JR chimes in and he says, yeah, young chicks. But then he says, <laughs> and also beavers. So, you know, typical <laughs> Attitude Era commentary. It's it's really, really good. Um, This match is something for everyone. The action spills to the outside. Jared takes control. There's a bit of psychology because Edge sort of sells the knee a little bit. As I was watching this match, it just dawned on me too. I'm just like, these guys are still wrestling at a high level hmm. to this day. Like, it's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy how they do it. Um, Gangrel then comes out because the lights go out. Um, oh, I, sh I should point out too. Yeah. Oh no, you did mention that Edge is out of the brood here. Mm. Um, but Edge has a gets interrupted. The lights go off. The brood's music hits. Lights go out, and then we see once the lights come back off a really cool visual of Edge standing over a fallen Gangrel and like a bloodbath to the side. Yeah, that got a huge pop too. And it was such a great fake out because it was like, oh, bloodbath. Oh, you know, he's going to beat up, you know, his opponent. Edge obviously knows how the bloodbaths work being part of the brood. And it's yeah. like he outsmarted Gangrel. And this is where the crowd got really into it for the last few minutes because they really loved that. And then Edge and Jeff Jarrett obviously stepped up. They went back and forth with near falls on big moves. Yep. And it mm -hmm. was great. Like, I love the ending to this match. Yeah, it's a great match. Um, Edge has the match won, but Deborah sort of distracts him. Edge accidentally hits her in the process, and as he's as he's doing that, he's taken out by Gangrel. Jarrett gives him the stroke for the win, and it's just it, it, it and wins the Intercontinental Championship. And as he's about to celebrate, Austin is patched up. <laughs> it's it's so it's such a cool segue because it's and it's something that's happened to Jeff Jarrett before when he's won the IC belt. I wrote that too. I said Jeff Jarrett is always Austin's bitch because he's on the <laughs> mic and he's like, I'm the greatest IC champ of all time. Austin's music hits to a gigantic pop. He runs in, stuns the hell out of Jeff Jarrett, and yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. Also, we always make note of Austin's great catching ability for beers. But mm. after the stunner, he asked for a microphone and it's not a good throw. It's like barely over the top rope. Austin's not really in place and he catches it like kind of out of place still. <laughs> like, my God, he, he, his success rate of catches. It's amazing. What I love too, he also had the real childish band-aid on his head, <laughs> yeah. like the bandage to show that, look, he's bleeding because there's a drop of blood in the middle. <laughs> I need a band-aid for this little drop. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very cool because he stuns Jarrett, um, gets the mic and then cuts a promo promising to bust open Taker, which leads us to our next kind of arc in the uh, in the pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. um, that segues us to our next match, which is the Acolytes versus the Hardy Boys. And this is Acolyte Rules, which means it's three on two. And Michael Cole's talking backstage with the Hardys and Michael Hayes. And he said that he's going to lead by example. Now, at first, I was just, I remember at the time when, when Michael Hayes was 
partnered with the Hardy Boys. It was just like, because I didn't really know too much about the Freebirds or the history of Michael Hayes. He was just an old dude. Just an old dude. He was just handsome Doc Hendricks. Yeah. He was Doc <laughs> Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. Why is he with the Hardy Boys now? Yeah. Yeah. And why is he like dressed like their dad as well? <laughs> But um, but what's what I found like so I I looked it up because I know you normally do this, but I thought I'll, I'd take the lead here. He's only like forty odd here. He's <laughs> yeah. younger than AJ Styles. He's forty, so he's the age of like Kenny Omega or like Brian <laughs> Danielson or something, or Roman Reigns even or whatever. Who's yeah. you know, a couple of years younger than that? Yeah, you wouldn't think. Oh, you know, we should put Michael Hayes in the main event of WrestleMania right now. <laughs> yeah. Can I just exactly. say? Who on earth are the faces in this match? Because the Hardys are heels because they're with Michael Hayes. The mm-hmm. Acolytes are heels because they're in the uh, Ministry of Darkness. The crowd could not give less of a crap about this match. And I zoned out for some of it. I actually wrote here, Bradshaw and Farouk just basically take out the Hardys and Michael Hayes on the outside before the bell's even rung. It's basically Public Enemy 2.0. It's like it's like <laughs> this is their personal, let's just beat the crap out of these new guys. Um, oh, and that they, I thought you meant that they were not over like Public Enemy in their WWE oh, run too. Yeah, because my next thing that I've written here is both Hardys look like jobbers. Mm. As JR says, Michael Hayes looks like he's been out the night of the town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there, there was one line from JR. He said that Farouk sounds like James Earl Jones. Like, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> they all sound alike, JR. No, no. <laughs> Um, now the then acolyte... he says. Then he yeah. says about Bradshaw. Bradshaw is as angry as an angry mother-in-law. Jr. would make mother-in-law jokes all the time. It's like some, you know, some subliminal Monday, things from Monday... Jr. Yeah, my, the attitude era is just basically his therapy to get out yeah, all of his rage that he had. I remember yeah. he had the line. It was probably a year ago at this point, but he said someone is as cold as a as a mother-in-law's kiss or something. And yeah. King was yeah. like, what? Yeah. As cold as a hug from your mother-in-law yeah. or something like but that. Even King of all people reacted yeah. like, what are you talking about? And let's not forget the numerous times where he called someone a Jezebel or a harlot. Or mm. just... I know we all thought King was the one who was a bit, you know, misogynistic. <laughs> so this is basically, like I said, it's an acolytes beat down here. Mm. You do get a bit of high spots from um, the, uh, the Hardy boys. I, I, interesting to note as well, Poetry in Motion still doesn't have a name. Doesn't have a name and they've stolen it from Edge and Christian at this yeah. point. Although yeah. that's the best spot of the match and the only spot that gets a good reaction. They go for yeah. Poetry in Motion and uh, Bradshaw just clotheslines the absolute shit out of Jeff Hardy in midair. <laughs> yeah. it's all, that should have been the finish, but it's not. They double powerbomb Michael Hayes to win the tag titles. Yeah. Uh, fairly forgettable match. The oh, the Hardys, the the Hardys, it's it's it blows my mind when I was watching this match, thinking that these two guys, at least Jeff, would be one of the, like a megastar. Exactly, and and that's credit to them. They're so good, and you know, in a couple, like we can say this now because in a few months they're going to hit their peak and be so over. So you yeah. know, we can yeah. just point out how it is at this point in time, and. You know, that's why sometimes if someone has that raw talent, they've always got a shot at making it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although it didn't look good that they they were dressed literally both the same and they both looked like they were wrestling on Raw in 1993. Mm. In fact, I'm pretty sure if you look that look up that footage of them wrestling on Raw in 1993, where like Jeff Hardy's getting 
the absolute piss kicked out of him by uh, Razor Ramon or, or Rob Van Dam. They are dressed the same, but um, oh no, no, we, no, they, no! They were dressed more like how the Young Bucks dress. That's that oh, yeah. version of the Hardy Boys. <laughs> Either way, you're not going to main event WrestleMania looking like this. Absolutely not. We head backstage again, and Austin is looking for the Undertaker. As we then cross to D'Lo Brown, who's with Kevin Kelly, who says it's been nine months since he's had the European Championship, and that leads us to our next match, which is D'Lo Brown versus Midian. And all I could say is that D'Lo Brown's theme hasn't even finished playing, and Jr. has already mentioned that he's a CPA. <laughs> I got Did that you notice that? that? I thought, it, of course. Of course, he had to mention the only two things he ever mentions that D'Lo has lost a lot of weight and he's a CPA. <laughs> My goal like, this would... man used to be 400 pounds. He's also very intelligent. He's a certified public accountant. Yeah, we know. I I honestly, I, I was shocked because first off, I was like, at first I was thinking like, oh, is this must be the first time that D'Lo's theme is played like on pay-per-view and then jr's dropped that line i'm like oh come on man you couldn't even let this <laughs> the entrance hasn't even finished for crying out loud i love his theme music though one of my favorites from the era yep. and i'm glad we're in the the point that he's using it it's so good oh hell yeah and um the crowd is well behind d'lo brown here as jr tries to go through the long lineage of the european title like i love how he's doing his absolute best like oh their history some greats have won this belt and then he's sort of like it's almost like his brain like tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'd stop that if I were you, man. This, this to be fair, well. if you don't say all of them and you're just like, this has been held by Shawn Michaels, the British Bulldog and X-Pac, mm. that's it. Just that's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty yeah. good. And the title was retired. Remember Shane McMahon won it and said he was going to retire it. They did yep. mention that like Midian was just given the belt. He didn't really win it. You know, D-Lo's like, you don't just get the belt out of the trash. You got to earn it. So, you know, good baby face stuff from D'Lo. The mm. crowd likes him. And D'Lo looked good here. It's only like a five-minute match, but he hits a yeah. nice, you know, tope to the outside, hits all of his signature moves. He basically just beats the crap out of Midian. Yeah, and gets a lowdown for the win too. I love how... Oh, um, I love, the lowdown how... is amazing. That's one of the best frog splash versions or whatever. Oh, and I, I love too that... King is still trying to, he, he continues on with how D'Lo's the champion of Europe and big in the UK. Yeah, because as we've true. seen, he is big in the UK. He is. And you know what? I will say one thing I've always liked about King's commentary. If a guy is a heel that he, you know, had this kind of fun thing with, when he turns face, King will sometimes just carry it on still. Hmm. Um, he did this over the years. He did it with Eddie Guerrero with the Latino heat thing. He did it with Daniel Bryan. He would always like still go along with this stuff when he would turn face. King is a really good commentator. It's weird. I feel like some people only give him credit for like, oh, he's that guy who does the sex jokes. But no, King yeah. helped a lot of guys, you know, get over as heels and faces. Very much so. And it's it, yes, the later King, when he's at his absolute worst, because I guess that's all you see in the highlights packages, like the YouTube clips. Like you never see like the stuff that he does. Like, I reckon he, Owen Hart would not have got over as much as yeah, he did. Yeah, another good one. Yep. If it wasn't for the uh, for King. And going on what you were saying, like, because King hates Bret Hart so much, he's <laughs> obviously going to be really, really pro-Owen, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool. And I loved he finally came around to Bret during the Hart Foundation stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, So I've also written down here, probably the best Midian match we'll ever see. Yeah, you know what? By default, it almost was just because it was all D-Lo. 
And that's taking into account the Godwins as well. But, oh, um, obviously. <laughs> um, Austin is then backstage. He's still looking for The Undertaker. Uh, Michael Cole's trying to get um, get an interview with Al Snow, who's hearing voices, which then brings us to our next match. It's a hardcore championship match. Al Snow is the hardcore champion. And so far, we've had every title change hand so far. Um, Al Snow meets Boss Man at the entranceway as they brawl on the stage, which was the style at the time. The match goes backstage as a cameraman even gets knocked over in a little amusing spot that I thought. Mm. Look, this was the most stock standard of these kind of hardcore matches. They Mm. started in the arena. They went backstage. They went outside. We've seen a few of them at this point. Um, I'm just dreading that, like, we know where this is leading, the boss man and Al Snowfield. This is going to the kennel from Al match. And this is going to, you know, cooking pepper. Um, you know, Al Snow's little dog that he eventually uh adopts. One of the oh, weirdest, but... most attitude errorist feuds in history, this one. Although that does have the greatest line from Kevin Kelly, which was done on an episode of Superstars that I still have on tape somewhere, and I, I should probably try to dig it up, where he goes like this, um, uh, like a steel cage will be uh, a hell in a cell, and the steel ca- no, the steel cage will be surrounded by the hell in a cell, and in between the two cages ferocious rottweilers like <laughs> kevin kevin that soundbite from kevin kelly is just hilarious but um yeah this is i've written down here that this is like going backstage and smackdown shut your mouth because that's all this match seemed to be yeah like oh you can use coffee oh let me yeah. use this thing oh let's let's you know interact with this thing they're all quick time events or whatever how do i get in the golf cart yeah, oh, i yeah, guess yeah. i can't yeah and then <laughs> I will say it got a little bit unbelievable, you know, silly as wrestling could have been back here. But Big Boss Man hits Al Snow with a brick and a Hmm. bottle, and that's not enough to beat him. I'm sorry, you're Al Snow. Come on, you're not Hulk Hogan. I've got I've got that written down here too. Not only that, he takes a bulldog to the concrete as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like, (laughs) come on. Um, Al Snow gets handcuffed to a fence, and somehow that counts as a pin, despite Al Snow sitting up. Mm. Um, now Al Snow starts frothing at the mouth and boss man basically does a Usain Bolt like sprint to the, to the ring so he can get in the middle. What is up with that? That was a highlight of the match. Just that tracking shot of boss man running back (laughs) into through the arena, all the way back into the (laughs) ring to get his belt. Uh, the most athleticism we saw from boss man in this match. Hey, he had a lot left in the tank, just running, you know, he, he kept up a good pace. Yeah, if you've ever seen that uh, that continuous shot uh, in Goodfellas where they go through the uh, the re- the kitchen in the restaurant and then all the way out to the to the diners, this ain't this is Vince Russo's version of it. <laughs> um, uh, next up is a video package of Kane versus the Big Show. Now, Jayon King, are they narrating the video package live? Yeah, it almost felt like they forgot to get the voice overdone, and they're like just. <laughs> Oh, just do it live. Come on, just say some stuff while it's playing it. Really, it, that's what it was. Hmm. It then crosses to Hardcore Holly, who is the special guest referee, and he refers to himself as the big shot. Mm. And even on commentary, J.R. and King kind of seem like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work, but we'll give it a crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see um, Crash Holly debut not long after this. So they, they get rid of that whole big shot thing. They still stick with him thinking he's a super heavyweight. But just Mm -hmm. the big shot and mixing him up with these main eventers. Every few years, it felt like they were like, 
hey, what about Hardcore Holly in the main event, <laughs> eh? Anyone? Anyone? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> no. 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 Not today. Not today. Not ever. The highlight... Maybe if he, break... yeah, maybe if he breaks his neck, we'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> we'll give him one last shot. I will say the highlight of the video package, though, the amazing moment from Raw where The Undertaker tricks Kane into being his friend again, but then Kane sees The Undertaker chokeslamming X-Puck on the Titantron, and then he gets upset about it. He chokeslams The Undertaker, and him and X-Puck hug. One of the great Raw moments from this era. The, the whole Kane and X-Puck thing is fantastic, and we'll get you know more of it throughout this show. Yeah, very much so. Uh, which also makes Kane's but uh, when X Pac betrays Kane later on even uh, more like of, of a like a, a knife to the gut. But um, uh, yeah, Big Show versus Kane is the next match, and Jr. references their last match uh, at King of the Ring as Bowling Shoe Ugly. Mm, we know like what that, that means, Jr. <laughs> I, I like that at least he's able to admit it. <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna lie and be like, "Oh, this is five star classic." Yeah, the yeah. the thing is, Kane gets a huge reaction. But the second the bell rings, you can hear a pin drop again because I think yeah. the crowd are like, oh, what's going to happen? Although it does start with the best moment of the actual match. Big Show, who I think sometimes we forget how strong this man is because he's bigger than anyone and more coordinated. Mm. He gorilla press slams Kane, who is a goddamn giant, out yeah. of the ring. He walks with him and throws him out of the ring. He doesn't drop him. Over he the over the him. top rope. Like yeah. literally... Whoo- amazing like he was th- like he was throwing something into a skip but uh there is as you said kane is so massively over here as well mm. too and it's just the the indifference especially when you've got i think it's just also with um when show has the upper hand because yes he's a face but so's kane like he's no one's really a face. heel here I'm sure he's a face in this I one because he's Big not. Show is a heel here. Oh, you're Why right. Why is he so a heel? He's, he's still a face from a few months ago. I don't know. Because, you know yeah, what? Because he's left. The... <laughs> this just took me back to being a kid. I really didn't like the Big Show in WWE for years. Yeah. I just uh, I don't know. the thin, I can... weird ponytail and just the big diaper style tights. I don't know. It's just off-putting as well. Just not yeah. likable. He was cooler as the giant. And. Yeah, it was just, I get it. He obviously didn't want to look like the giant here in WWE, but it's like, oh, dude, you're just so bland and crap. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> what are you? You're just a big dude. Mm, like, he's a big And giant. then when he came back, and then when he came back, it's like, oh, he's got a haircut. Mm. Like, remember The Rock even did the, somebody got a haircut. <laughs> and even Triple H, who was a heel at the time, called him, yeah, he said, like, nice, nice haircut, Gomez, because he looked like Gomez <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Yeah, they all ruined him. <laughs> yeah. Um. So X Park, we should point out that X Park uh, comes out to take out Hardcore Holly because Hardcore Holly, the big shot, takes out the Big Show's knee as he's about to do a choke slam on Kane. A fast count gets the win. X Park runs out, takes out Holly, but then Undertaker comes out to take out X Park. Big beat down by Taker and Show. And then is this where they sort of foreshadow their tag team, the Unholy Union? Yeah, yeah, this was, it felt like the first time that they teamed up on camera. X-Pac got a huge reaction, though, when he came out. He he was the highlight of the match, his spin kick to Hardcore Holly. He just knocked the crap out of him. Uh, But again, they follow this up. I like that there's a story going through with this stuff, too. Yeah, very cool, because Taker, as he heads to the back, as the big show's music plays, Austin meets him at the entranceway and beats the absolute tar out of him <laughs> yeah. and busts him open because I love that because it's just like if Austin is looking for Undertaker 
and Taker's just run out, done a run in. Well, you normally the babyface would be like, "Oh, I'm still looking for Taker. What the hell?" But ta- but Austin's the smart babyface and actually mm. goes out to the ring. He knows where he is, and I like it. You know, now they're both going into the first blood match a little bit hurt already, and you know it's going to be easier to bust them open. It's good. Yeah. Um, we then get an Iron Circle match. It's a bit of backstory here about the war between Ken Shamrock and and um, Steve Blackman. All I could say is when I first saw this and I saw Val Venus sitting on that car, it looked like a really bad version of The Warriors. Remember that movie, The yeah. Warriors? Yeah. I think that's the vibe they were going for, that kind of thing. Like, um... Well, I tell you, the vibe that I got after that was... Ooh, did they see the hardcore junkyard invitational and thought we could do better? <laughs> I forgot that these two things were so close together. <laughs> I thought, and I thought the WWE would have done the production better. I thought they would have lit it better. I thought we would have been to been able to see more. You can't really see a lot of what's going on. So yep. they're in the car park with cars surrounding them with their headlights on. It's a cool idea. It's better than the hardcore invitational because it only goes under five minutes. So yep. it's easier to sit through. You can kind of see Blackman and Shamrock brawling. They use some weapons. They sort of hit the cars. It's a cool idea. Not as good as the Lions Den match from SummerSlam, which was awesome in '98, and not yeah. as interesting as the Dungeon match with Owen yeah. and Shamrock either in the Heart Dungeon. That was kind of a unique thing too. I think they went for another one here with Shamrock having these kind of real fight kind of matches. This is the worst of the three. Like, it's fine. It's only four minutes. But, yeah, you can't really see a lot. Yeah, it's inoffensive. That's basically all you can say. And it, just think SmackDown on PS2 backstage style. That's all it is when, when you have the car around. But yeah. um, I, I will say, uh, though, the highlight, though, they've finally given Steve Blackman the cool drum entrance music. So him and D'Lo are coming together. Yeah. There's something strange, though, about seeing the entrance music as they... It's so wcw backstage assault vibes yeah they've hit the music because they're not coming from the normal entrance they're literally coming down a staircase in the car park and they're like oh hit blackman's music it is weird (laughs) oh actually Uh, the next bit jr just perfect here he's throwing to the undertaker being interviewed by terry taylor and it's almost like he's thinking whether or not he should say it and he's like, uh, over to you, uh, Rooster, instead of saying Terry. It's great. <laughs> Getting one more shot in. Between that and his line about Michael Hayes going out drinking or whatever, like, <laughs> they are just crapping on his old mates here. He's basically, like, he's just exercising all the demons from 91 WCW. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of which, so take her backstage. Uh, Terry Taylor, bless him, he's doing his best to just, you know, go on up. Ask her like, "Hey, you're bleeding. That's not good." Mm. And Taker calls himself, "Well, you know, uh, a wounded animal is very dangerous." And then he warns Terry Taylor, "Don't make me kick your ass." And then proceeds to kick his ass within the same breath. <laughs> well, he's a heel. He's a liar. You know. <laughs> so, it was a weird moment. So short of Jr. completely shitting all over Terry. And then him getting beaten up by the Undertaker and thrown into a whiteboard. It's not a good night at the office for Terry Taylor because that's the only time we see him. It's, yeah, not good at all. Um, I I just wanted to make note too, what's funny about it too, Terry Taylor signed with the WWF originally in 1988. The Undertaker debuted in the WWE in what is it, 1990 or 91? Yep. 
So 1990, so only a couple of years apart. And here we are in 1999. The Undertaker is main eventing another pay-per-view for the world title, another boom period in wrestling that he's living through. And Terry Taylor is just (laughs) interviewing him after having been, you know, referred to as the Red Rooster. Like, yeah. (laughs) The luck you're given. What if they were given the opposite gimmicks, you know, from the, the dreaded box of gimmicks or whatever? Well, let's not also forget to, on that same pay-per-view, Hector Guerrero debuts as the gobbledygooker. Exactly. Anything could have happened if you shuffled up those three phone calls and pitches. Yeah, you don't know. Maybe if someone was like, what if Terry Terry could play this Undertaker thing better, you know? I actually think, yeah, I, I, there was no hope that Terry Taylor was going to be, uh, because it's like, nah, we've got to... He's already the chicken guy. Don't worry about that. We oh, yeah, can't we have... can't. <laughs> he can't be the gobbledygooker and the red rooster. Yeah. And the red rooster. That'd just be stupid. <laughs> yeah. Next up, one of my favorite types of matches, a legal stipulation match because China and Billy Gunn will be taking on X Park and Road Dog for the rights to the trademarks of DX. <laughs> it's, it's actually quite amusing. Um, so China and Mr. Ass. So Billy Gunn is no longer Mi- Billy Gunn. It's Mr. Us. This Which is- I, I hate so much. I think it's so stupid. And if that's something that hamstrung his singles run, I think he can add that to that list of things that bit him in the ass. 100%. Uh, there's a reason that he's not going by it now. <laughs> like Exactly. You can't be uh, Mr. Ass. I'm sure The Rock was like, come on, guys. I'm not going <laughs> to lose to Mr. Ass. <laughs> So China and Mr. Ass come out to a chorus of boos and JR claims that uh, Billy Gunn's ring attire is rather feminine, which uh, is a sign of the times. Mm. Well, yeah, it's it's basically, what is it, like a mesh version of his shorts with, you know, they're see-through and he's wearing mm. a, a visible G-string underneath. Yeah, which makes sense. He's Mr. Ass. Mm. So... <laughs> Um, now, Road Dog does the full DX shtick, you know, the um, the New Age Outlaw thing, and the crowd absolutely buys into it, even though he's changed it up a little bit. But um, yeah, this is the, the difference to it with this match that I noticed from King of the Ring is China is just treated like a regular wrestler in this one. Yeah, she is. Like we mentioned at King of the Ring, I think it was the like one of the only good matches on the show, China and mm. Road Dog. Had an absolute, uh, you know, belter, just an old school match that the crowd bought everything. It was really good. They continue that here because everyone else in the match, you know, coming up with China in DX, they just treat her like another wrestler here. It's not too much of a novelty, like, ooh, China's in there with Road Dog or X Buck. Um, they just go for it. Uh, everyone is super over. And this pay per view started to build from here. This is the best match of the show to this point. Um, I really, yeah. really like this. It's and it continues from what happened to X Buck earlier because yep. he's been beaten. He doesn't start the match, and then when Road Dog goes for the first hot tag for X Buck, X Buck tries to be brave. He tries to fight back, but he's cut down really quickly. And then we got to rebuild. Like, oh no, now X Buck is hurt. Can he get the hot tag? All of these people in this match know to ha- how to have a tag match and. I really like this. We've seen a lot of good matches from, you know, these people in this match. Mm. Billy Gunn and Road Dog also seem to be that rare 
uh, that rare case of tag team partners that actually also work well as opponents. I thought that too. They had really good chemistry here, but we mm. never really saw them have a good opportunity to have that match against each other. Yeah. But the crowd um, bought it every time they got into it. The crowd was so hot for it and they moved well together. Everything looked good. They did the same. It's all. It's very WWE, uh, WWF WrestleMania 2000, where they constantly taunt the crowd. Like every t- and it's so well done because like Road Dog taunts the crowd to hype them up to get mm-hmm. to rally behind him. Billy Gunn does the exact same thing to shut it up to shut them up. Like I know there's a bit of revisionist history with the New Age Outlaws, but whoever's actually talked crap about them has never actually seen them at their peak because they were one of the best, if not the best tag team in that time. And I'm even including the outsiders within the 98, 99 here. Yeah. Yeah. If we go the early part of the attitude era, the new age outlaws are absolutely one of the best and one of the best Mm. ever, not just for their wrestling, because you would say whatever you want, but it's what they do aside from the moves. Like you said, taunting the crowd. They're both so good at being heels or faces at this point and using sort of the DX gimmick to get heat as hated or liked and they do it here as well and one thing i noticed about billy gunn that i always liked and he's doing it here as a heel as a face billy gunn would always be trash talking while doing moves like oh take that or suck it or while he's punching and here as a heel he's doing it when offense is being done to him like hip toss he'll be like oh damn it oh shit and like you know you can hear (laughs) him yelling out It's, it's fun why wouldn't you be doing that you know yeah uh, what what else is uh, what I it gave me a bit of a chuckle is uh, so China is very much holding her own in this match too, and she's actually quite one of the like also one of the highlights here, which you don't often get in these mixed tag matches where they're clearly out of their out of their skill set. But I love how JR compares her to the U.S. women's soccer team that recently <laughs> won the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is there? I've got, what have I written? Oh yeah. Um, JR and King also bicker about Billy Gunn's stupid tights to the point where I think JR's actually just cracked the shits and just gone, well, why don't you wear them on the campaign drink, uh, the campaign uh, trail there, King? Because at this point in time, I guess he's running for mayor. Yeah, yeah. Although King fires back and he just goes with it and he says, oh, I'm going to get some made just like Billy Gunn. <laughs> That's the best exchange. I wish I had the exact wording. Um, because mm. King tries to say, oh, you know, the Coalition for Women are going to love me. And JR's like, oh, they're going to really love you in San Francisco. And <laughs> yes. King fires right back. And he says something like, um, oh, what did he say? He it said, was something like, don't be prejudiced or something, yeah, JR. He goes, or something who's like the yeah. prejudiced one now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, JR and King just firing live rounds at each other while a great match is actually great happening. Like, yeah, yeah. like if they were if they were crap talk, if they were shit talking to each other, during like Kane versus the Big Show, I could understand mm. that. <laughs> this, oh man, it's but yeah, look, it's it's a hell of a match too. A pump handle slam, and Road Dog gets the pin. Jr. says the best part about this, like I love it at the end. Jr. says basically to the fans, you can rest easy now, knowing that all merchandise you buy from D Generation X, the royalties will go to X Park and Road Dog. Yeah, it's like none of it's going to go to Billy Gunn or that Joseph Alchina. Like he's so fired up about who's getting royalties. The ending though, the end sequence was another one of these amazing WWF style, like cool endings that WCW seemingly could never do where everyone is just told, you know, like here's going to, this is going to be the most exciting ending. 
So in one corner, you've got China set up for the Bronco Buster. In the other corner, uh, the outlaws are fighting each other. X-Puck hits the Bronco Buster in China to the biggest pop you'll hear. He gets up. As he turns around, China grabs his leg and drags him out of the ring just as Billy Gunn is running at X-Puck for a Stinger Splash. So he's Mm. missed the Stinger Splash because of China. He hits the post, turns around. It's only him and Road Dog in the ring. So Road Dog hits him with the pump handle slam. And you're just getting the crowd getting hotter and hotter because all of this has happened within the space of five seconds. And it's absolutely perfect. Another great match for, you know, this group of DX. It is funny because like there's all all of these, it's fun. Anytime that you have a sequence like that, it's always, I don't want to say maligned wrestler that does it, but it's not, you know, like, the, the so-called indie darlings or the or you know the Meltzer favorites that do stuff like this we've seen it before with the boss man and the nightstick mm-hmm. at survivor series um we've also seen it with like seth rollins and um randy orton reversing an arc reversing the stomp into an rko oh like randy orton's stuff, one of the yeah. best of all time at endings of matches like this yeah. and yeah it's certain people just Edge as well. He's another one. Edge, and we, yeah. we saw him and Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett as well. We've seen it before with him and Owen as a team uh, in the past few months. There's something yeah. about that kind of ending. It's just so perfect. And you're right. It's not always like, you know, the... Yeah, AJ new... Styles has never done that. Or... <laughs> no, no, it's not like, oh, yeah, it was, you know, one of those endings. Yeah. Hmm. And we um, definitely so... didn't see it in WCW at the time. Normally, no. a WCW ending is... Oh, he hit him in the balls again, and he pushed the ref, but the ref was looking, and it was just an absolute mess 90% of the time. Yeah, and then NWO beatdown. If it's not an NWO beatdown, it's a four horsemen beatdown. It's not a four horsemen beatdown. It's a Dungeon of Doom beatdown. Yeah, and I don't want to just assume that it was Pat Patterson giving them the finishes, but but that is what you generally hear. He was Hmm. so good at these finishes, and Bischoff even said we didn't have... Yeah, on... You know, so weeks. I, yeah, I don't want to say he's responsible for all of these that we've seen, but that must play a part in it because he would have, yeah. you know, influenced all these guys. Bishop has always said we we never had a finish guy. We've never had a, a good finish guy. Mm. Um, before they head off, uh, Road Dog gets and the crowd tell China and Billy Gunn to suck it, which mm. is a, a nice little um, bit of icing on the cake. We see Stone Cold Steve Austin backstage, and he's been all stitched up, and then we see Triple H. Uh, no China here, but uh, we do cut to a, a a rock promo as Triple H is making his entrance. And the cool thing is, this is the first time we see my time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And I on wrote that. At least. My first note was one, two. Is this on? I was like, oh, yeah. I got my time is, yeah. So I know he's used um, the game for so long and we associate Triple H with Motorhead. But I don't know. When yeah. you hear my time back, it's like, oh, is it better? Could be. I reckon it is better. It, it's it. I well, the thing is, like before Stephanie McMahon had her whatever her new one is, um, with Little Kim or, or does, I'm she all grown used, up. Yeah, that one. She used my time, even when Triple H was using Motorhead. It's a good bloody song. It, it's it's an awesome tune, uh, and it's a severely underrated one. It is also very annoying if you've played WrestleMania 2000 and set a long entrance, because it does the same loop over and over. Yeah, you don't get the whole song. Uh, But if anyone hasn't heard the song in full or they haven't heard it in a really long time, 
it's fun to listen to it as an adult and picking up on these weird references that are mm. in the song that are super insider. Um, because yeah, the like first couple of ly- lyrics or the first opening line, he says, you know, you better keep the music playing Mr. Dunn, like a reference to Kevin Dunn and production. And then there's all yeah. these other weird, weird things in this song. Um, and it's sort of, sort of, you know, foreshadowing and conspiracy thinking about, you know, who's screwing who and, and all of this. Yeah. Now that's also done by Chris Warren, isn't it? The guy that was in the DX band. Like it it's his vocals, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. that's, there are just some like, yeah, you're right. We do associate Motorhead with Triple H, but yeah, this is just an absolute banger. Um, the cool thing about this I love is after Triple H makes his entrance, The Rock then does a promo, but they do the smart thing where he's being played on the Titantron and they show Triple H reacting to The Rock. Mm, yeah, and he's and my- watching The Rock ruin his big moment because i gotta say i didn't realize they mentioned that triple h cut that promo with jr and you know they're referencing like oh you know triple h is you know he's so fed up about all of his mistreatment and that was the game promo with triple h where Mm. he's like oh you talk about student of the game i am the effing game game. and it's it's awesome promo but the rock here in retaliation absolutely craps on it and just makes so my good. favorite line, my favorite line of the entire thing is The Rock going, it's like, they didn't, uh, you weren't held down for three years because you chose to say goodbye to your friends at Madison Square your Garden. Your Rudy Poo friends at Madison Square <laughs> yeah. Garden. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 were held, you were held back because you absolutely sucked. It, it almost is on par with The Rock referring to The Undertaker. Uh, with your 33-pound head and your Mickey Mouse your Mickey Mouse tattoo. The Rock at this point, and again, what he would do to Billy Gunn as well. Like, if you were in the firing <laughs> line. And honestly, he was still sort of finding his feet as being a baby face again after being the mega heel. This felt mm. like one of the first where it's like, nah, it's that extra energy from The Rock that we'll see for the next few years in these promos. No one is better at the pay-per-view backstage promo than the rock i'll put him yeah. just above hulk hogan um either or though but like goddamn, every pay-per-view that we're gonna see moving forward is gonna have one of these promos and it's gonna be amazing yeah very much so this is so this is a strap match but it's not your traditional strap match where you have to touch the four corners to win and i gotta say that's what makes it even better because the rock and triple h they start brawling on the outside there is a, re- a really cool spot where they work the strap in at first, where the rock pulls Triple H through the ring post, kind of like when Sami Zayn does that little dive through it. Mm. Um, the rock also does that thing where, because he's a face, he takes the a fan's disposable camera, takes a photo of Triple H, and then throws it back to the fan. Oh, I'd love to see that photo. Do you mm. reckon? I like as long as it was a clear photo. That's one of the best pieces of it memorabilia you be. could ever have. It's got to be like, you know, I just have like the mere fact that that lady that had that camera must have run it down to the chemist the minute she left. Um, yeah. The minute she left the arena. But um, th- this match has it all. And I reckon this match, I like this better than their ladder match at SummerSlam. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They've had some good ones. Now, I think the ladder match to me is, is an all timer. This was very good. I really like their best two out of three falls from uh, last year as well. 
Mm. Uh, these guys, think, like, what are yeah. you, you're, you're always going to, and we're going to see better ones too. Like, what a run they actually had in terms of just but matches I, on pay-per-view. But I reckon the reason I like this one better than the SummerSlam one is because Triple H is slowly morphing into the game. Like, he's about 90% there if he's not there already. Mm. Like, he's got the look, he's got the, oh, he's got that. His, well, his even... abs haven't come in as they would in no. a few months' time. Well, he's working on it. He's working out in the gym, you know. But he's but all of a sudden, like the Triple H, you see the the Triple H five moves of doom, like you yeah. know, the, the the clothesline the, when he uses the knee, the running knee, and stuff like that. Like, uh, it's very very cool. But yeah, the rock the match spills onto the outside. There's a cool spot where the Rock throws Triple H over a barricade to the floor, but then Triple H turns the tide by grabbing the strap and yanking. Um, the rock towards the bar- uh, the barricade. Mm. It's just, it's so good. Yeah, and I think it was good not being the, you know, touch the corners type of strap match because they got to use the strap. It was about them being stuck together and they have to fight, but they could still do, yeah, brawling in the entrance, in the crowd and around the ring. And these guys have good chemistry, whether it's wrestling in the ring or brawling. And yeah, and we're seeing uh, Triple H step up to that style too because you had to be good at that kind of brawl at this time. And he was good, you know, right away. We also see a different edge to Triple H too, because it's a bit where he sort of climbs the, um, he's he throws the rock into the corner, like in as if you were in the position for a Bronco Buster and like um, puts the, puts almost like makes the strap into a noose and tries to hang the rock. Like he just mm. chokes him out by standing on there, which then of course the rock, it's what I love. Like he, it, the match has common sense. Like Rock realizes, like Jesus, this ain't good. So yanks Triple H off the top rope with the um, with the with the strap. Like mm. it, it, it just. Sorry, it you makes said sense. he yanked him off. Yeah, that, that's not what Jr. said. No, Jr. did not. Jr. Say. is customary, and I'm starting to think it's on purpose because the amount of times <laughs> he said that, he said, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, jerking Triple H off the top, off rope. the top rope." Just yeah, he did. When he says, jerking edge off the Mm. ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, he knows what this means, right? Surely. You almost feel like like, the minute he says that he turns to King and does like a big wink. It's true, yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't know that. I wish we could see because clearly this he can't be doing it by accident. Mm. I've also written down here, I like that. Um, that the rock is using the strap like he's like he's scorpion from mortal combat <laughs> get over here <laughs> it's just so well done uh there's a bit too where triple h uh takes the strap off and he goes to get a chair but the rock then uses the strap to just whip him like a government mule which jr has been dying <laughs> to say it's minutes since the match starts <laughs> he saved it for that that was great though because triple h had the chair above his head and Rock just gets him straight across the stomach, which oh, that would sting a lot. Mm. Uh, China comes. Uh, she's she made her way down to the ring a little bit earlier. She got a rock bottom for her uh, troubles, but she's back with a distraction again. And Billy Gunn comes out and smacks him over the head with a club. But I was really, really hoping it'd be a slapjack. I wasn't yeah. that lucky. <laughs> it wasn't a slapjack. Not not but Stevie it was a... Ray style. <laughs> But it was a stiff shot to the rock's head, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I thought, you know what? I couldn't remember how this match ended. I thought that was the finish to set up the rock and Billy Gunn at SummerSlam. But the mm. rock kicked out of that because the rock isn't going to lose to offense from Billy Gunn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that only gets a two count. And the rock, just to add insult to injury, gives Billy Gunn a rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He still gets up and rock bottoms him. 
but then he walks into a pedigree. Um, Triple H wins the match and gets a shot at the WWF title at SummerSlam. Fun fact here. So both of these men are still under 30. Um, but even though The Rock has only been there since 96, he's a three-time world champion <laughs> and Triple H is getting his first title shot. Yeah, although to be fair, let's look at their career paths. Two guys couldn't have done better. One guy virtually runs the WWE. The other <laughs> guy is the most famous actor in the world. Like, yeah. you know, one guy runs the brand for WWE. The other guy has a deal with Under Armour. He's in every movie. He's got a ticket. Like, but it's a killer. Do you think each guy, like the other guy, even though they're clearly not, in a rivalry that could make sense, but there's got to be a, a bit of a, like a Michael Jordan style, like straw man argument. They're like, Oh yeah, but what's triple H doing? Yeah. I better make 10 million more dollars this year. Yeah. And, and the funny thing too, is like, do you remember like at one point in time, was it like 2016? It was when SmackDown was live. So during, it must've been that 2016, 2017 where they were teasing a, mm. a one final, like rock versus um, triple H sort of um one final rock triple h encounter and well, that, wouldn't it, that that would have been so good it would have been huge because it would have been like authority triple h and you know superstar rock they had the interaction at wrestlemania 31 though remember with stephanie and yeah. ronda rousey i think That's everyone right. thought it was gonna lead to wrestlemania but it didn't but it could have and it would have been huge no, instead we saw the rock with a flamethrower trying to light four letters on fire. You were there live with that. I one, was there you? for that. I will say the flamethrower didn't get the biggest reaction, <laughs> but I stand by it. One of the loudest reactions I've ever seen at any wrestling event is when the rock was in there with the Wyatt family and mm -hmm. you know, rest in peace to Bray Wyatt. But when the rock said, I'm not here for a WrestleMania fight. I'm here for a WrestleMania match, and he tore his snap <laughs> pants off. The crowd went crazy. Never heard a pop like that for a guy taking his pants off. Um, next up, it is the Taker versus Austin, uh, the proper video package. And uh, there's also in the package too, I like, you're right, this is the full encompassing one because it's got callbacks to King of the Ring 1998. Mm. And... All I could at the end of it, I was just thinking, like, geez, I didn't remember this much blood in 1999. There was a lot. It is weird how the <laughs> WWE had no blood through the Hulkamania era, except for like you know three events that people can remember. Mm. There wasn't a lot of blood at the start of the Attitude Era. Of course, there was Austin and Brett at Mania 13, yep. bits and pieces. But goddamn, you're right. These two, especially in this video package, there was a lot. Yeah, they're bleeding on a Monday night on USA Network. Like, it's great. Constantly. And, you know, WCW, we never saw blood. So it just mm. stands out so much here. Yeah. Um, that leads us to the match. Vince McMahon is out and he's on crutches. And he comes out possibly for the last time ever. Mm. And then joins the commentary team. And I was, I love that it must be subconscious that when he goes back to doing, uh, back on the commentary desk, he the voice changes back to the oh listen to that capacity like have you, it's it must be something yeah. when he puts the headset on it muscle memory kicks in that's how he thinks he wants to sound always <laughs> the second the headset is on and what's great too he's doing it but he's a heel I thought it's always fun there's only a couple of times but anytime he jumps on commentary it's so fun because you get that Vince but heel Vince 
at the same time. <laughs> like he really is one of the best all-round performers in wrestling history, obviously. Mm. But just amazing when you just see him on camera doing shit like this. Uh, did Do you, you see the yeah. sign behind him on commentary though? What was that one? And I had to look up the dates because I'm like, oh, this was a fresh reference. So South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut came out June oh, yeah. 30, 1999. So only about a month before the show. Signed bef- behind Vince and anyone who's heard, seen the movie would get, know that it was from the movie. It said, Vince is a big floppy donkey dick. <laughs> That's really And it cool. just brought back memories for me of, I don't know why anyone let me watch that movie at 12 years old, but yeah. yeah, that was one of the first movies that I ever got from like a video store too back in the day. Oh, I watched it at the movies because I oh, had man. cousins who were over 18 and they <laughs> took us. They really shouldn't have rated R that was. But yeah, that, I wonder if that still holds up. I haven't watched that in years. It's I probably think a bit it about... would. I think it would I, hold up. I reckon it does. Um, yeah, so Undertaker is still wounded as he's out back as he makes his entrance. And once again... The match starts with a brawl at the entranceway because, as I've mentioned, that's just what happens in the Attitude Era. Austin's out, and smartly, too, he's blocking his head because he's got the stitches in there Mm. from the previous cut. And I just thought that was a cool callback. Like, he's always like, because remember, like, both of these men have got open wounds that have been, like, stapled up or stitched up. So they are just, like, one shot away from ending uh, in first blood. Yeah, it's a really fun sense of urgency. We've seen these guys wrestle plenty of times, but this one's like, oh, they've both got a cut that could be open at any second. It's first blood, so much on the line. Vince is gone if, uh, you know, Austin wins. If Austin loses, he never gets a title match again. You Mm. couldn't get more of a like, oh my God, you know, so much is going to happen if one guy bleeds. They go everywhere. They do the usual stuff. It's a good match. It's the kind of match, you you know, you know, you're going to get with Mm. these two. I love that because the stipulation is on Austin's side, he can never challenge for the WWF title ever again. I like how um, King and Vince are like saying, he'd be a great intercontinental champion, wouldn't he? He'd be, <laughs> uh, or, or a European champion. Like, it's just so good. Like, it's those little touches like that that just make it really good. Um, there is a bit too where, so the brawl heads to the announce table and Vince starts barking at Taker to to rip out the stitches. Yeah. Him <laughs> turning from commentator Vince to like the other Vince, like, come on, rip up, come on, do it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's just so good. Um, when they get back to the ring, Austin goes, what is that? It? Oh, yeah. Austin does technical wrestling and he sort of wraps his legs around the corner and does the, you know, the figure four spot. But mm. Taker, pushes him back with momentum and he falls over into the barricade and the sense of urgency where they're just like, is he bleeding? Is it, has he opened the cut? Like that just adds so much to it. Yeah. It made everything feel like that. You know, when a guy, oh, he's, he's hit his head into the desk. Oh, he's hit his head into the steps. No, for all of them, it was like, oh, he could be bleeding right now. Check on him. Check mm. on him. It was good. He, uh, you know, working the gimmick of the match. This is as good as it could get for this stipulation. And very cool as well. Austin goes for a stunner in the ring, but Taker then dodges it. But in dodging it, he trips over the referee and gets tied up in the ropes. So Hilarious. all of a sudden, yeah. So all of a sudden, now it's a free shot for Austin. Yeah. Which Shane McMahon does a run in. And with full momentum of Shane running, Austin has <laughs> done the biggest swing of a chair and nails Shane 
smack bang in the head. Yeah, this chair shot, I couldn't remember, but seeing it, I audibly gasped. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Because Shane it, McMahon <laughs> slides in. Shane McMahon isn't vertical yet. He's not no. stood up. Imagine like a sprinter's position, like a guy hmm. at the Olympics still kind of crouching before Fresh he's even Fresh off the up. start, yeah. Fresh, Fresh off, off the, the starter's block. Yeah, and Austin just with the exact same momentum of Shane <sighs> running, swings a chair and meets his head. It is amazing. And yeah, the last like few minutes of this match, you, you won't hear a crowd louder. Like they are going absolutely bonkers. Mm. Which, which is even cool because Austin then gives Taker a stunner. So Vince has decided, Vince, who's still on crutches, <laughs> then gets in to try and stop it and starts flailing wildly with crutches because I love that Vince McMahon at some points in time, like he could pick and choose the moments where he's a really competent fighter mm. and others where he's just a stupid old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just this big wimp old man. who can't hurt anyone, but it's good. They're wrestlers. He shouldn't really be able to fight them, but we, we have that. And then what I loved about this show is tying it all together. X-Pac runs out for revenge. Mm-hmm. on The Undertaker because, you know, he jumped him earlier and we've seen what's happened on Raw. But also, not just for revenge, this carries over uh, capital carnage. Yeah. You know, Austin and X-Pac, they're friends. We've seen them team up before. But X-Pac runs in, Undertaker's holding a chair, and X-Pac gives him basically a Van Daminator. Van Daminator, yeah. Kick, hits it perfect to Undertaker's head. Giant pop. X-Pac again. Anyone who talks about this X-Pac heat rubbish it means yeah. you didn't really live through all this and don't remember <laughs> like three years where he was one of the most over people in wrestling. Crowd goes nuts. Taker starts bleeding. But to really seal the deal, Austin gets a camera yep. and just smashes the Undertaker. But what I loved here, the referee wasn't up yet. So any screwy crap could have, you know, still happened in the crowd's mm. mind. It was only when the Undertaker got... Austin up for a tombstone. Earl Hebner stands back up and sees the Undertaker bleeding, and he just sort of shrugs and he's like, "Oh well, it's over," and rings the bell. It's good. That's one of the that's one of the greatest visuals too, because, like you're right, the shenanigans are happening too, and Jr. is losing his mind. He's like, "He's bleeding! He's bleeding! Like the match is over! Like da da da." Vince is all the color is just drained from his face too. Like you wanted to, we mentioned earlier the finishes. This is such a perfect finish from even the fact that the whole reason that Undertaker has a chair is because Austin's down and this is his time to bust open those stitches. Mm. So everything fits so perfectly. But yeah, um, Austin gets a TV camera, takes out Taker. um, And that look from Earl Hebner where he's like, wait a minute, you're bleeding. Yeah, it's like, oh, he kind of shrugs. He's like, all right, (laughs) ring the bell. And it's great. As they're announcing, you know, and, you know, champion Steve Austin, like, there's still stuff happening in the ring because they're mid-fight. It was just called yeah. off while they were fighting. And during all that, Triple H then comes out to start beating the hell out of Austin, which makes sense because he's going to face Austin at SummerSlam next mm-hmm. month. And then The Rock comes out after the team off. So, you t- like, Attitude Era pops are just remarkable. Mm. The crowd is going crazy. And again... What do you do post-show? Why not have guys run in? What's wrong with that? Mm. The crowd is going to pop for everyone's entrance. Fun way to end the show. We then get chaos. We get Taker and Austin still brawling. And then... Both bloody as well. Yeah, I was going to say, and then Austin gets busted open. 
And my God, this puts him at WrestleMania to shame at WrestleMania 13. <laughs> yeah. He's covered. He's even stumbling over because I'm guessing he lost too much blood. His arms are covered from the cut in his head. That's how yeah. much blood is coming out of him. I, I will say Undertaker, great reflexes too, almost on the level of Steve Austin or, you know, bats Kevin up that Nash. can. Yeah, he's about <laughs> to punch Shane McMahon and with the same hand, he bats away a can and then punches him. It's it's awesome. <laughs> they must go backstage and that's what they brag about. And, you know, like, mm. oh, we saw you hit the can. It was so good. It's yeah, but this is just a phenomenal end to a great pay per view. As he said, Simon, it starts off slow, but by the time you get to the uh, by the time you get to the deck, you know what? Even I'll even take that one step beforehand. I reckon where the tide turns is straight after the D'Lo Brown versus Midian's a good little heater to sort of pick to reheat everyone. It dies in the ass a little bit with Al Snow and Big Boss Man, but then after the after the Iron Circle match, it just Go, go, go. Yeah, and we've seen that from a lot of WWF pay-per-views where the last few matches are absolutely going to, you know, stick the landing. We had a really good opener too with Jeff Jarrett and Edge, but that's, you know, an opening style match. But yeah, a great last few matches absolutely makes up for King of the Ring. I think we've mentioned this before. The rare times WWE has a weird pay-per-view or an off night, they overcompensate, you know, the next month. And this yeah. was heaps of fun. There was a lot on the line. You could get into it all, especially the last few matches. And it was awesome. Austin celebrated in the ring after one more stunner to Vince because he stunned him before, but this one, he snakes in the ring. These two have do this. They've, how many times have they done this? Austin goes to shake Vince's hand. Vince <laughs> looks all pathetic and then uh, falls for it every time, gets a stunner, yeah. and the show goes off the air. A really fun show in the end. Even as recently as WrestleMania 38. Well, look, Vince didn't take the best stunner at that one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's a a great paper. Do yourself a favor and check it out. Um, I don't know about you, but it was an absolute no-brainer when it was coming to MVP for me. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, it's Stone Cold, not just for the main event, but for stunning Jeff Jarrett for the promo, for all of his backstage vignettes, and then for the match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Xbox oh, a close second. I was going to say Xbox a close second between his really good selling throughout the night, the two run-ins. You know what? Xbox deserves credit because again, this whole rubbish about Xbox heat. They brought him out in one pay per view three times. His pop for the last time he shows up is louder than any time before. The crowd mm. weren't sick of him. The crowd were happy to see him again because it tied into what happened before and blah blah blah. So anyway, Xbox Steve Austin, another great showing from them. Great tag match. The Rock, of course, and Triple H mm-hmm. killed it too. Good show, but yeah, Steve Austin. You know, I think he's been yep. MVP so many times. Yeah. Look, speaking of killing the territory, next up on <laughs> Reliving the War, it is the final ever Road Wild. We're going to look at Road Wild 1999, uh, which is headlined, I believe, by Red and Yellow Hulk Hogan taking on Kevin Nash in a retirement match. Mm. <laughs> How did that go for both of them? Yeah, yeah. I think also, and spoiler alert, this is also the pay-per-view where Sting turns heel, but nobody cares. That's happened to Sting a couple of times. Remember he turned heel in TNA and everyone's like, no, we're just going to keep 
we're no, we're just going to we're going to cheer you now, mate. If anything, we're going to cheer you more. <laughs> <laughs> cheer you more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, don't miss the next edition of Reliving the War. If you want to check out the previous three seasons that we've done, 96, 97, 98, uh, you can do so by going to Grey Wolf ENT. Make sure you follow us on the socials as well at Grey Wolf ENT on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And we'll catch you next time for another edition of Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.